Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown, and today we are going to be interviewing Matt Heron. Matt is going to be talking to us today about near-miss, near-hit programs. When we decided on this as a topic for a podcast interview, I wasn't exactly sure what we were talking about, but was just going to go along with the flow. Matt does a great job of explaining what that program is, how it can help out your safety team at your company, as well as help improve the overall culture with the employees. And we're grateful for his insights in this interview. So Matt, with your previous experience that you've had in working in a lot of safety roles, I want to know what your current role is and how did you get into caring so much about near miss, near hit? Good morning, Curtis. I am the senior safety engineer for the mechanical engineering division at Southwest Research Institute. I got into to caring about near misses and near hits, which kind of stems from Heinrich's uh, safety triangle, uh, which is his theory about industrial accident prevention. It shows a relationship between serious incidents, minor incidents, and near misses, and proposes that if the number of minor incidents is reduced, then there will be a corresponding decline in the number of serious incidents. And that makes a lot of sense that you would want to look at that correlation between all three of those. So with this Hendrix triangle, uh, how long has this been something? When did you first learn about it? How long is it? have you been using it? I learned about this back in graduate school. Basically, uh, Herbert Heinrich proposed this in 1931, actually. So it's been expanded upon on by many uh, safety specialists and things like that. And uh, it's usually pictured as a triangle, having the, the near misses at the bottom, then minor incidents, followed by major incidents, and then finally fatalities. Basically looking at, you know, if we're able to prevent the bottom part from occurring because if we can get the employees to start participating and bringing forth these problems, the theory is, is that it'll prevent the, the higher, more serious incidents from occurring. Currently, there's a kind of a debate going on on the, the serious and fatality type events. The main thing is that, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to, to uh, work together to protect each other uh, so that we can all go home safely. I definitely agree with that. That is definitely our mission as well and our motto. So to make sure that we're all on the same page, that all the listeners as well, how do you define a near miss and a near hit? So that is actually one of the key points is, you know, you have to get everybody on the same page and you have to uh, come up with a definition that suits your needs. There are many out there. We used a general definition Uh, that defines a near miss as a deficient process or activity, an unsafe behavior and or unsafe workplace condition that uh, is detected. And if it's not corrected, may result in property damage, a quality issue, and an injury or illness or possible death. The main point with this is that we are trying to get people to prevent 
these things from occurring. So it's really, whether you call it a close call or a good catch system, near miss, near hit reporting system, the whole goal is that we're trying to foster a safety culture that empowers employees to proactively identify, report, and correct hazards in the workplace so that everybody can go home safely every day. All right. So let's imagine for a second that you're you know, you just changed jobs. We don't wish that upon you, but let's say you changed mm-hmm. jobs and at your new site, you need to sell this to the new company. You need to make mm-hmm. them want it. What do you tell somebody to make a, comp- a company want to implement this type of program? So in that particular case, I would take a step back. And because that definition is so technical uh, to some degree, basically I would kind of take a step back. And, and really what you're trying to do is get people to participate in the safety program. Because as safety professionals, we're only one or maybe part of a team, and we're not able to be out in the field as much as we would like sometimes. And so what you're trying to do is trying to get that employee participation and get them to report what's going on out in the field. And so the whole basis is that if we can kind of figure out what's going on, we can all put our solutions forth to help solve those issues. So that, that's where I'd probably start. So, so um, it's more of a encouraging and getting a culture of participation as opposed to a, we need to start recording this and just to keep track of something. I mean, really it's about employee involvement. Is that the yes. heart of it, is what you're saying? Yeah. There, there, so there's, there's a couple different pieces to that. So, you know, in order to actually create this system, you really have to have that management leadership. You have to have their commitment to establishing that mindset that everyone is responsible for workplace safety. You have to get their buy-in because as they bring these problems to the surface, they need to make sure that they're going to be able to provide the resources to fix these problems. On the the backside of that, they have to be willing to support that culture of bringing those problems to the surface without retribution and make sure that they are, again, willing to support that. They also have to, not only with providing the resources to fix those problems and put in those solutions, they have to be able to provide the training that's involved. So a hazard recognition training is a huge piece of this to make sure everybody understands what the hazards are in their workplace. So what would be some benefits from implementing a reporting program such as a near-miss, near-hit? With implementing a near-miss, near-hit reporting system, you're fostering communication and being able to have those open conversations with your team members is very important to producing a positive safety culture. And with that, you're getting that employee participation and empowering them to find and report and correct those hazards uh, in the workplace, whether it's unsafe conditions or unsafe behaviors. You're also giving them, if it is a serious particular type of situation that they run into out in the workplace, you know, they are also empowered with stop work authority. You know, they have the right and the responsibility to stop work if it feels safe in any way, because we're trying to not only protect themselves, but also the people that are working around them. So you're fostering that, almost that family sense, right? So it's kind of like you're giving the five-year-old a voice in the family vacation. So regardless of of status, everybody has that same voice to uh, provide input. In a way, yeah, I can see that. 
I come up with weird analogies, so hopefully that one makes sense. <laughs> um, um, I, I think it's more of, you know, with safety, everybody gets a seat at the table. So again, definitely. everybody has a voice. Everybody, if you see something, say something so that we can raise it up and that way we can fix it so that it doesn't happen to somebody else. The way I kind of liken it and, and going back to the definition, trying to get more of an analogy, as you were saying, think about it as if you're walking into a building and the carpet or the rug is flipped up. You don't see anybody else around, but you realize you recognize and identify that that is a trip hazard, right? So you fold it back down, right? So there's an example of a near miss or a close call. With a near hit, let's say you walk through and you actually trip over it and fall, but you don't injure yourself. So it didn't have the consequence as a normal incident would. And then conversely, with the actual incident, you would actually have a, some sort of injury, maybe first aid or even worse. So broken foot or something like that. So trying to lay it out in those terms, uh, I think really helps people identify that a little bit easier. I definitely think that that is a, a great example and something that we can all kind of picture in our mind too. And so then just to keep going upon that example, this happens probably at most workplaces. So then it would just be the fact of implementing some way for that employee that has come in and seen the rug or tripped over the rug to report that issue to management or to their safety team then? Is that yes. where we're going? Exactly. And so how we kind of started it here at Southwest Research Institute was that we created a very simple form, which just has that person's name, contact information, what time of day, uh, where it actually happened, and asking them in their own words to describe the near miss and, or near hit that they observed, including how, what, when, and where it occurred, put forth what kind of containment actions that they implemented. So with the rug, what steps were taken to stop the unsafe condition or behavior from spreading further. So by putting it down, the corrective action, what is being done to correct these unsafe conditions, behaviors, and return to a normal operation. And then finally asking for their input as far as preventative actions. What will be done to prevent these unsafe conditions, behaviors from reoccurring in the future? So maybe putting down some tacky floor adhesive to keep that rug down kind of thing or keep it from sliding, those types of things. And then we also, you know, if it needs an additional support from our facilities or maintenance group, did we submit a help desk ticket? Uh, if so, what's the help desk ticket number so we can help track that? And then as these come to the safety engineer or the um, safety manager, we look at tracking. And so each one of those kind of goes into a different bucket. So whether it's uh, some sort of employee exposure and ergonomics risk, maybe materials handling issue or walking working surfaces issue like the rug example, we try to put those in buckets to see what's actually going to trend. Uh, are we having a lot of rug issues? If so, what type of solutions can we come up with for this? Uh, or if it, comes down to, hey, maybe we need to have another training for forklift safety. So maybe we have a deficiency in our process for that. Hey everyone, John Grove, CEO of Fit for Work. We'll get right back to the podcast in a minute. But if you are tired of chasing injuries and working hard to get those numbers down, Fit for Work can definitely help. 
Our clients see a 50% reduction in the number of injuries and associated costs and enjoy the efficiency and ease of interacting with the turnkey program. Now, there are four ways that we partner with employers, on-site early intervention, industrial ergonomics, safety compliance, and employee testing. And while many people know us as working with large companies, we do have ergonomic and safety solutions for small and medium-sized clients as well. Imagine how your day-to-day would improve if you were able to bring a 50% reduction in injuries to the table. To connect with us, it's super simple. Go to wellworkforce.com, click on connect with us button and put our team to work for you. I actually had a, a former supervisor that said that she would take any and all complaints as long as they came with a solution as well. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 and it really does empower, empower you because you feel, you know, you put your brain power into thinking of a solution for what you see around you. So I can definitely see how this empowers everyone at the work site. Other than just that empowerment, how do you encourage employees to participate? Is there any incentives that you can give or what, what do you guys do to get, get employees participating? Unfortunately, right now we, are, we don't do incentives per se, but again, I think it's that recognition when we do talk about these during our safety meetings and things like that. And when people do come up with a, a really good solution to a problem, you know, really, really patting them on the back and, and saying thank you, uh, I think goes a long way. I do think people undervalue that. Mm-hmm. Just the, the appreciation goes a long way because that helps them almost better than a gift card. Um, gift mm-hmm. cards are nice, but it, there, there's hard, fewer things to that really encourage people than a heartfelt thank you. That's for sure. So what do you need to have in place to support or maintain this type of program? I can see this being the type of thing where, you know, it gets started, people are pretty gung-ho about it, but six months, a year, two years down the road, what do you need to keep it going strong? Any advice or tips for people, for companies? Well, safety is an ongoing process, right? It's, it's a choice that we make on a daily basis, whether to work safely or not. As our employees go out into the the workplace and they are identifying these things, your workplace is getting better. So you actually come to a point where your reports kind of level off a little bit because they've done such a good job of cleaning up their their lab or their their workspace by identifying kind of the low-hanging fruit, if you will. And so it's that constant reminder. So we actually use a, uh, we came up with a, a logo and we call it Safety 360, owning your zone, making sure that, and this is part of the program that we've designed into our operating procedure of informing people to uh, be aware of your surroundings within a 10 to 15 foot radius in all directions, protect yourself and those around you. You know, if somebody's coming through your work area and they're not wearing the safety glasses that are supposed to be for that particular area, say something. And it's about, it's not about being defensive. It's about understanding what needs to happen in that particular area, right? And so, again, going through this particular near-miss, near-hit reporting program, it's only a small piece, right? It's that feedback. There are other things that I think you need to have in place, such as workplace inspections, which are looking at the physical workplace. So making sure that fire extinguishers are not blocked, exits, those types of things. Looking at observations. Safety observations are about positively reinforcing safe behaviors in the workplace. Uh, 
And then you also have audits. So you're looking at your management system and making sure that it's running properly. So you have proper management of change. You're looking at your operating procedures, your forms, those types of things. And if you're looking for a good supplement to that, Forrest Richardson did a really good job with his podcast on July 1st, uh, 2019, called Safety Audits, A Strategy for OSHA Compliance and Improving Employees' Lives. Thank you for the plug. Which I highly recommend. Again, I think you're Every company will go through that particular point, and you it, and it's just one of those pieces. Again, it's not the uh, the flavor of the month, but it's one of the tools in your toolbox that you can use to help improve your safety system. So, is this the type of program that you've seen at several companies, or mainly just at the current one you're at? Have you had that opportunity to see the difference between those who have it and those who don't, or different size of companies to see how? It works depending on the size of the company, any difference or variation on its effectiveness? Most of the companies that I have worked for do have a uh, close call program in place. I think you have to have something like that in order to get that employee participation because, again, you have to have their buy-in in order for your safety program to be successful. So Matt, so you've seen this at a lot of different companies, various sizes. Is the tracking of the reporting different based on the size of location? And then what do you do with the information that you track? How, how do you go about um, all of that? You did talk about the buckets that you put it in to kind of space it out that way. Can you just expand on that a little bit more for us? Yes. As far as your tracking log the majority of those forms and the tracking logs are going to look very similar because you're trying to capture that same information. You're trying to figure out, you know, what happened. You don't want to know who's involved per se because you're, you're trying to fix the process, not the people. You want to make sure that you're not focusing on that. Your forms are going to look very similar. You want to know kind of time, date, location, how, what, when, and where, and then what are the proposed actions to help solve this issue because really and truly your frontline employees, they're the ones that are going to know what the solution is because it's their back that's going to be hurting when they're bending over all day long. It's their back or hand that's going to be hurting from the repetitive motion issue, you know, just because they're, they work in that area more than you do. So, but you're, you're trying to pull that information from them in order to find that solution. I have seen this at a few different sites. When we get out and talk to employees, sometimes their concern is that, well, yes, I put in this ticket. I, you know, I, I said this, I gave some solutions, but I haven't heard back. I haven't seen anything done. How do you go about kind of just letting them know that their voice has been heard? So with that tracking log, uh, you want to track it to uh, completion or at least some sort of verification that the solution worked. So again, it's they're providing the input and as a safety team, you all kind of agree on this is the the proper action that needs to be taken in order to fulfill that. Going back to that management commitment is they're providing those resources in order to fix those problems. So using a system, whether it's a Excel spreadsheet, or if you have some sophisticated software that helps you do that, the main piece I think that 
needs to be focused on is you are communicating with that person. Hey, we are working on this. I'm going to help find a solution for this that essentially is cost effective and, and it actually solves the issue. So kind of in summary, it sounds like the, the main purpose of this isn't to ever provide blame, but just to gather information to remove and improve the situation. And the only way that's going to be possible is if management is behind the changing the changes that are brought forth. And if the employees are made to know that they're responsible and empowered, that they have just as much of a seat at the table to provide that correction. So that's just great advice. I mean, and I think it makes a lot of sense that the it's not so much that everybody's tracking system has to look the exact same, but by tracking that information, you're able to look at trends as well as specific incidents and making sure that there is some form of looking at completion. Because I agree with Amber. I, I know that when people feel that there's a program that doesn't have a completion, that participation goes down. So, and I'm assuming you've seen that as well. Most definitely. I believe that the keys to this particular program is uh, a handshake between management and the employees. The employees are going to give their feedback and the, the management is going to help provide the solutions to fix their problems. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be about safety. You can, you know, improve the whole, uh, your whole quality culture as well along with this. And I truly believe that safety should be integrated into your operations. When you do that, when you go to solve one issue with safety or quality, you're going to improve the whole system because you're going to be looking at the entire work process. That's a great way to sum it up. So Matt, thank you so much for your time and your insights. And I know that our listeners are going to get a lot of out of that as well. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for your time, Amber and Curtis. You're welcome. We'll talk to you later. We are really thankful to Matt for hanging in with us and talking with us about near miss, near hit programs. And I hope you guys got as much out of it and how it can influence the culture of your company as I did. Just really giving the employees a say in what goes on and what they see and how they can influence the safety culture. I think that empowerment really says something to them. I think anybody can say, oh, we believe in safety or we want employee participation. But giving a name and a structure to that participation is where it really can make a difference. So by having this, whatever a company wants to call it, and I like how he said, each company can define it differently. It's not so much about what is your specific definition of near hit, near miss. It's what have you as a company talked about to have a standard and to make that something where there's a reporting and just having that structure in place makes it so much better to have that participation. And what's interesting is I didn't really realize this before, but other sites that I go to and I cover as an injury prevention specialist have this type of program. I was going to say, that's exactly what I was talking about in the introduction, is that I didn't even realize that some of the companies that I go to actually have programs like this. They're just called something else. And so realizing that now and that they're doing things right is, is another great step towards what some of the, the clients I work with do.
Well, and it's another way for you to know that you can participate even as a preferred contractor, somebody that's on site for frequently. So I'm sure exactly. I'm sure they would never turn away outside eye opinions and help. So <laughs> we just want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To get started preventing injuries, please visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us at podcast at wellworkforce.com with any questions or comments. And remember, prevention improves lives.